Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. (laughs) I'll be sitting down with some phenomenal women to discuss love. I believe we grew distant out of love of some type, like I don't want to hurt you. Loss. Really don't know what's going to trigger that feeling of grief in any moment. And a topic very important to my work, self-care. Freedom is self-care. It's not about pedicures. It's not about clothing. It's not about trips. Join us as we journey through sharing together. I am really excited for today's guest. Her name is Tori, and she is a phenomenal human being. Tori is a writer, poet, and photographer. In this episode, we're diving into how writing came to be for her, what poetry means in her life, and how she navigates this world as a queer woman. Our conversation is rich and full of gems. This is Tori's story. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Tori. Oh, (laughs) I'm so excited. (laughs) I am too. I've been looking forward to, to chatting with you. Glad to be here. So before we dive into this talk, please let us know who you are and what you do. My name is Tori, and I am a poet and a writer. I run a little poetry business called Notes on the Way, where I handwrite my own poetry, and I also write custom poetry for other people, which is quite the exercise in empathy in a lot of ways. I make my living writing on pieces of paper and (laughs) putting my ideas out into the world, so... I absolutely love your work. I'm really excited to dive into this because I want to know, just to kick off our chat, how Mm -hmm. Notes on the Way came to be. Yeah, it was honestly, it was kind of a fluke. Hmm. Um, I just, for a while, so I've been kind of unpacking a lot of this recently, but um, I grew up in the evangelical church, um, a queer woman, me. Uh, I, but I was disconnected. I think it was kind of a fight or flight thing. I disconnected from my body for, I think the majority of my adolescence and, uh, young adulthood. Mm. Um, so I feel like I knew when I had stuff inside of me that I knew I was feeling and needed to process, um, I didn't really know what to do with that. It didn't feel real to me until I was able to put it on paper. So um, when I started uh, experiencing grief and difficulty and struggling um, with my place in the world, uh, I found a lot of solace in in not just writing, but putting it down on a physical sheet of paper where I could actually see it. Right. Um, And so I... Yeah, I started writing poetry because it was just a way that I could express myself. Um, and there were a couple that I was like, this is kind of good. So I like shared it with my 500 Instagram followers and um, immediately got feedback from, from friends of mine that that they were like, oh, I would hang this on my wall. Like, have you considered starting a business? My sister like encouraged me to open an Etsy shop. Um, so I just started doing that more often. And then um, it just kind of snowballed from there. I had some really generous people with uh, platforms who 
took it upon themselves to share my work, um, like unsolicited. Right. Uh, and then it just kind of a following built and I just kept writing and the whole thing just kind of, honestly, it was a, a massive gift. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that's wonderful because that is how the most genuine, meaningful things are built just through, mm-hmm. just by not necessarily by chance, but just like without trying, without solicitation, without like mm-hmm. wanting people to necessarily see us, but more mm-hmm. so wanting people to be able to connect with the work. And yes. that is what's so beautiful about the gift of writing and being able mm-hmm. to express words that are like caught in the pit of our throat. But then we're like, the minute I get some pen and paper, I can put it down and it'll make sense. So yep. Yeah, there were so many times that I was like, I don't really know what I'm feeling until I see it in front yeah, of me. Yeah, yeah, that, that is, that is it. Um, mm-hmm. I want to circle back a little bit and talk about sure. your upbringing in the evangelical church. When you discovered that it wasn't, I don't know, are you still a, a part of the church? I am not. Okay. No. So um, my dad, my dad's a pastor. Mm, okay. I, like, I have this sense of like, I don't necessarily consider myself a Christian, and yet I always think, mm. I, I think in a way I always will be. Right. So it's kind of, it's a weird, it's been a weird process um, over the last few years. When did you step but, away from the church? Uh, when I was 26. It's been about two and a half years. Oh, wow. So it's fresh. Mm-hmm. It is fresh. Yeah, it is. It was after after 26 years of being in it, mm. uh, being out for two and a half years doesn't, it feels like it's been forever and also it doesn't feel like it's been long at all. So what does, how does that duality play a role in who you are and how has it shaped you into the person that you're standing as today? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I was just talking to a friend about this last night, actually, about how I never quite, all through growing up, I feel like I was always accidentally creating a stir in evangelical circles. Mm. And I didn't, I didn't even come out to myself until after I had left the church. Um, I didn't really find the freedom to even have conversations with my own self about my sexuality until I had left. Um, so that was, that was a non-issue for me for the most part uh, through my adolescence and early adulthood in the church. Um, but the, the issue for me was, I think it's interesting because I always felt like it's it's like just by default where I belong. The yeah. church is where I belong. Yeah. Um, and but like constantly being told that I needed to uh, comply more, do more, um, fix myself to actually belong. Mm. So it was this weird kind of uh, like tug of war, like. I didn't, I felt, I thought that the church was my home just because it was all that I ever had and all I ever knew. Um, And I thought that I was running parallel to it, but then I was like 17 years old getting kicked out of a church because I was upset with how the youth pastors were handling some of my friends' uh, mental health issues. And like, it, like, I felt like I was accidentally creating a ruckus anywhere that I went. Mm. Um, and it's like with a little hindsight, I'm like, oh, I just, 
have been trying for so long to fit myself into the parameters of this institution that really wasn't built for me. Hmm. Um, that doesn't really have room for people who are like me, who are not super down to comply when something feels like it's not right. Um, so, yeah, it was like a, more than anything for me, the, my departure from, from church was not, I can, I can deal with people's uh, dissonant theology. Like, I don't have to agree with everyone all the time. Right. Um, that disagreement doesn't intimidate me. And, like, obviously I think bad theology is harmful, but um, that was not in itself the reason I left the church. The reason I left the church was the power structures. Yeah. Um, that just felt so suffocating um, for so long and without any accountability. Um, so that was that was really the, the core reason for my leaving was just feeling like I can't operate under these these structures. So upon leaving, how were you able to unfold into your work, into your poetry and exploring the different things that come along with just stepping over Mm -hmm. Um, a threshold into another and almost like switching switching realms if you will like that may sound kind Mm -hmm. of dramatic but that's kind of how I'm envisioning it I know like through my healing and through my transitions I always feel like I'm kind of going from realm to realm and like exploring all these different places and this different way of belonging in the world and how I show up in the world and how I show up in my work. So I I wanted to know with you as just as a fellow writer, how has your Mm -hmm. work and your words been able to assist you in in that stepping through, stepping over and then unfolding ultimately? Yeah, honestly, um, it has been it has been like a a tag team effort between the act of writing and creating and the work of people like Brene Brown um, that really have like helped me not only to create, but to create things that kind of scare me to say. Yeah. Um, But it has been in the creating things that scare me to say that um, I've found a lot of freedom and healing. And um, it's weird. Like the, the, the fear that I carried with me, um, for the things that I felt like I wasn't allowed to say mm. um, when I was still operating under the umbrella of evangelicalism that um, I have found when I take the time to actually put it into words and say it out loud and um, let myself feel the discomfort, like those, the, the things that I write when I'm like, I feel uncomfortable sharing this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Okay, then it's probably <laughs> I'm probably pretty close to the mark. Yeah. And um yeah, I think that it has it has just been a writing has been such a a solace for me. Um in connecting to my body and connecting to the world around me. And it's weird even looking back a couple years, um my work was a lot more cerebral and like almost like metaphysical, like there, it was a little more um, imaginary Mm. and, and looking at it now where like, I I am so connected to um, things that feel sensory and urgent and here. Um, And like both have been really valuable and meaningful for me, but it's interesting, like doing the compare contrast with like 
the work that I put out into the world now versus two years ago when I was still closeted and, and highly anxious and um, unsure of what to do with my existence as like a human body. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's really, it's been a fascinating journey. Isn't that compare and contrast so kind of intense too when you Isn't look it? back and you can just see where you were and now to see where we are today, it's like, whoa, I've been through some things. Yeah. I've walked yeah. through some things. I'm sure you experience that as well as a as a writer. I like, do. I do. Yeah. It was I, I was writing um I was working on a book proposal recently actually and I went back into poems that I wrote in it must have been two thousand ten. And I was like, first of all, like most of these are very bad. But <laughs> yeah. also I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I didn't realize how much poetry had been through with me Mm. like how much it it carried me through and how much I like relied on it as a a, as a kid unsure what to do with my grief and uh, the world around me changing and feeling unsafe in many ways and um, coming into adulthood and like I just was like oh I like I remember that I wrote these poems but reading them again was like wow, I've been through a lot as a poet and as a writer. And yeah, it's like milestones. How has poetry placed you in your belonging and how you move through the world Mm. today? In some ways, poetry, I think, became scripture for me when scripture no longer felt safe. Mm. Um, So there was a while, like, there was a while where... I would wake up every day and pull out my Bible and, uh, you know, read that. And I did that every day for like five years. And then it just started feeling like I don't know how to read. I don't know how to approach this text without all the baggage. So I took a break from that. And then I just felt so spiritually homeless. Um, And it was like waking up every day and reading Mary Oliver that started to kind of put me back into uh it like reconnected me to my spirituality in a whole new way um and just kind of experience like I I feel like Mary's poetry in particular but but poetry as a whole has been the thing that has um helped me integrate the part of myself that was all cerebral all imagination all like thinking ahead um, not just in my own life, but into eternity and what is that going to look like? And, um, you know, the whole uh, Christian mythology, and I don't mean mythology in a derogatory way. I yeah. just mean it as, you know, yeah. um, the, the stories. Yeah. But integrating that with my experience, which is something that I overlooked for a really long time. Um, my experience as a, as a body, as a woman, as a queer woman, and as someone who can like go outside and notice I'm outside. Mm. Uh, I feel like I missed out on a lot of those things in a lot of ways um, because I was always looking outside of my own experience for meaning. Mm. So I think the the gift of poetry for me has been helping those two parts of myself meet and marry in a way that makes me feel more whole and integrated and settled into myself. 
if that makes sense. Look, we get it. Your child is incredibly curious and a lot of toys and activities these days just don't keep their attention. Well, keep them engaged with hours of fun with Little Passports. Little Passports is a subscription box full of toys and games for children of all ages that educates and entertains. For $12.95 per month, there's tons to explore right from your own home. Little Passports box is delivered right to your door every month and each package contains exciting hands-on learning for kiddos three and up. You can feed their inner scientist with the science expedition pack, which is full of cool experiments to try, or you can even make your own slime. And just for my listeners, Little Passports is offering 15% off of any subscription. That means your child could be flying rockets or looking through a microscope in no time. Use offer code HeyGirl at checkout for 15% off your order. That's HeyGirl at LittlePassports.com. I recently started wearing a new bra by Third Love and I absolutely adore it. Did you know that breast shape matters when you're finding a good fit? I didn't. Third Love uses data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for a perfect fit and premium feel. I found the Fit Finder quiz really helpful when I was picking out my Third Love bra. I didn't know I was wearing the wrong size for so long. I think what's really awesome about this is that over 12 million women have taken the quiz to date, and it's actually a pretty fun experience. I answered a few simple questions, and I found my perfect fit in about 60 seconds. Third Love offers more than 70 sizes, which is more sizes than most other brands, including their signature half cup sizes. Not only that, but Third Love is convenient. You can skip the trip to the mall, Find your fit with their online fit finder, order, try it on at home. No more awkward fitting room experiences. What really sold me on Third Love was the 100% fit guarantee. Every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, and put it to the test. And if you don't love it, you can return it. And Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. Third Love's team of expert fit stylists are dedicated to helping you find your perfect fit. Fit stylists are available every day to help via text, chat, or phone. Returns and exchanges are free and easy. What's not to love? Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now, they're offering Hey Girl listeners 15% off of your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash heygirl to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash heygirl for 15% off today. You and I share a deep love for Mary Oliver. Mm, <laughs> that she is woman, something else. Oh, that woman. Um, she makes me feel like I can touch God when I read her work. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. That's the best that way is, I can put it. <laughs> that is the. I cannot think of a better way to put it. That is absolutely right. Poetry like Mary Oliver's, maybe even specifically hers, uh-huh. really helps me unfold into the woman that I want to be because Mm -hmm. she's so wise and seems to be so observant in a world that moves so fast. So when I'm reading her work, it's almost like I'm wishing that when I have her age under my belt, 
that I can go outside and write poems about nature and really be there. And they're not just nature poems either. Like Mm -hmm. they're just, they're visceral. Like I can, I almost feel like I'm standing next to her. And um, when I saw that you loved her, I was like, oh yeah, somebody gets it. She understands. (laughs) I get it. I get it. Like her, her work has, has taken me through some of the most difficult stuff that I like, it has just been such a, uh, healing presence mm-hmm. and it does it like, it really feels like a presence. Yeah. Um, not just while I'm reading it in the moment, but, um, when I leave after reading it, I feel like I can carry it with me, which is such a beautiful feeling. Isn't that gorgeous? It's just amazing. Yeah. Um, man. So, so let's shift gears a little bit. You're getting married. Sure. That's exciting. I am getting married. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Can we, can we just talk about what it feels like to know that you're going to be able to journey with someone for the rest of your life? Oh, man. How is that for you? How are you feeling? Honestly, it's I'm feeling great. I'm so excited. Um, her name's also Alex, and she's the the best. Um, we were we were best friends for almost three years before we were ever an item. Wow. Uh and had been through a lot together already. Um, and so it was a, one of those kind of clumsy, clumsy yet seamless experiences mm-hmm. of like, how do we move into this new thing between us when we've had this thing for so long already? What does that look like? But like also having it be oddly simple and like, of course. I don't know. In that way, I feel like it, in some ways we've already been doing it. Right. But obviously like I've never been married before. I, I have no <laughs> idea like what that, what I, I'm probably going to listen to this a few years from now and be like, what was I talking about? <laughs> um, but I, I, I feel great. It's, it's weird. Like I, in some ways am not, I don't think of it. I haven't thought of it as like, oh, I'm like doing something with someone for the rest of my life. I'm just thinking like, of course, this is what we want. We're committed to each other. This is what we do. Um, It's more about like today than about 40 years from now. Yeah. Mm. And in another sense, I honestly never thought about, cared about, entertained the idea that like everyone dies. Oh, girl. Until I was in love. Yes. Oh, my God. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, no. Yep. Yep. Like, everyone (laughs) dies. It's not if I die. It's like when. when. Yeah. And that was was a revelation all its own um, for me. And I I have those those... every day, by the way, as a married person and a married person with children. Uh-huh. I um I feel you on that and it's mm. it's really hard to swallow. It um, is. But kind of like you said, it's not necessarily the spending of forever, but more mm-hmm. so the spending of the now. And yeah. like with my husband, I feel I feel the same way you feel about Alex, like duh, like of course we're doing mm-hmm. this. <laughs> yeah. Um what else is there? Yeah, what yeah. else is that like we have no other choice because the love and the friendship, mm-hmm. the friendship and the friendship, yep. Is so um important. And mm-hmm. I guess that's what I meant about asking, you know, 
how that feels like the possibility of forever with someone like that is such a choice that is such a radical choice and when it's rooted in love and friendship and trust and respect it makes the journey so much more beautiful Mm. um so I'm so excited for you guys to join the married club it's pretty fun I'm I'm super excited it's coming up fast I was I was like, oh, we've got so much time. And then I started having stress nightmares because I was like, we have to plan a wedding. And (laughs) I didn't realize how fast time was going to go. Oh, time has wings. It's um, I know. It's so wild. Yeah, it's wild. It is a wild journey. But Mm -hmm. I am, you know, just so happy. Like whenever people say they're getting married and they do it, it just makes me feel good because I just remember mm-hmm. how it made me feel when you find yeah. that person that's your person and it's just like, yep. yes, let's do this. Um, how, how long have you been married now? Only two years, two and a half years. Okay. Yeah. So we're newlyweds still. <laughs> Thank so you. So fun. Thank you. It's, you know what? Marriage is fun, but yeah. what I will say is that even when it's not fun, it's worth it. And I think when you are partnered with someone who makes it worth it, that is yeah. what gives us the um, the tools to navigate the thunderstorms because that's going to happen. You're sharing life with someone. It's going to happen. Good. So yeah. it's just like, you know, navigating, trusting and mm-hmm. um, staying friends. That's so mm-hmm. important. So yay I love for that. you and Alex. I'm so thrilled. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> Um, so as we wrap up here, I do want to talk about, I want to talk about photography as poetry sure, and self-care as you navigate stepping into being a life partner, being a wife and Mm -hmm. what that's going to mean for, you know, making intentional time for just you. Yeah, that's great question. Um, So uh, the photography thing, Um, I am very much an amateur. Like I picked it up as a hobby because I enjoy, I I enjoy it. I love like the feeling of seeing something I think is beautiful and doing my best to figure out how to like translate that to an image. Yeah. Um, You know, whether with words or, or with photography like it's kind of the same Mm -hmm. the same thing in in many ways there's a lot of overlap um but the thing that I have so loved about uh practicing the art of photography um is that I shoot film so there's something about being like attuned to the moment you just get one chance and if you see a moment that you love and you don't react um you miss it mm-hmm. or you get like the weird kind of like half blinking after moment. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, you know, and, I, and I've gotten a few too many of those. Um, but it, it just is one of those things that feels so centering for me. Like I'm like, I have to be here with this like physical experience of like looking, seeing, capturing. And then, and then I have to wait. Like it's, different than like snapping phone uh, photos on my iPhone where I can like scroll through and see all my options and I have them all right then. Like there's something oddly gratifying about not having um, 
the instant results. Yeah. Um, but being like, I don't, I think I captured that moment, but I've got to wait a week while the lab develops my photos for me um, to actually like know whether or not any of them even turned out to begin with. Um, so I don't know. It has, it, I think that it has just been kind of a, another grounding experience for me or another grounding practice. I love that. Um, yeah, it's meditative in a way. Yes, absolutely. And as far as self-care goes, how has, mm-hmm. how has all of this that we've talked about, how, have, how has all, is, all of these different mediums of belonging and being and intertwining translated into self-care for you? Mm, yeah. Honestly, that's still a thing I'm, I'm trying to figure out. I've been prioritizing self-care for a couple years, but also still learning like how to even do it. Right. And I still don't really feel like I have a full, a full scope of what that's going to look like for me. We practiced, we observed the Sabbath for the first time this past weekend, Mm -hmm. like with the Jewish tradition. So it was sundown Friday and we totally unplugged, put our phones in the drawer and just existed. And it was like the 24 hours of, of observing Sabbath that I felt like, oh my gosh, like there's so much that I have missed because of this constant noise that we exist within. Mm-hmm. You kind of mentioned something earlier that I was, uh, I think it was like the things that are, are so fun and beautiful are the things that just kind of don't have to shout to be heard. Yeah. And that is, I feel like so much of the world that I live in at least right now, um, but I think societally that we're kind of within is so turbulent and there's so much shouting and so much demanding to be seen, demanding to be heard. Mm. And I just am at a point where I'm like, I don't have, I don't have energy for this. Um, And even as I try to disconnect emotionally from that need, I think for my, for me, like my relationship with my phone, for example, has been like, it is still a constant buzz of noise, you know, people's tweets and Instagram comments and the news and whoever's posting garbage on Facebook. And like, it it has become so hard for me to kind of sort the moment I'm living in from all of the external hum. And so that was that was a real moment of, of clarity, I think, for me. And already, it's only been a few days, but I'm like, oh, I have a different relationship with my phone already, and I'm going to keep uh, observing the Sabbath and trying to give myself space to breathe from from all the noise. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has been that has been a real uh, breath of fresh air for me. I think that that is um, is a great way to wrap up and to end because there's so much noise and mm-hmm. I really want to leave our listeners with with that as their as their end as their end yeah. piece like let's just quiet the noise Thank you so much for listening to Hey Girl. If you love the podcast, please rate, comment and subscribe. It means the world to me, and it helps other people find the show. Without you, the listeners, there would be no podcast. See you next week. Hey, girl.
The Hey Girl Podcast is a member of the District Productive, produced by Paul, Woody Woodhall, and me, Alex L. Music by DC's own Kokai. Kokai.